Merry Christmas. Uh, great to be with you to celebrate the birth of Jesus, who is unique in this world, and we're going to uh, have a think about that in just a minute. Great to have you with us for the visitors, and there's a few here. Welcome. Sort of a, a brave thing to do if you're not so familiar with the church environment. It did remind me there's still lots of seats at the front, and perhaps, you know, if you are someone who's familiar with being here on a Sunday, maybe you could um, think about next time coming in a bit closer. If you're, you know, imagine if you are new and unfamiliar with the church building to sort of walk in and have to walk in front of everybody. That might just be something you think about. So my name's Evan, Associate Pastor here at Tari Baptist Church, and uh, really great to be celebrating the birth of Jesus together. Now, when we come together on a Sunday morning, and any, any Sunday morning, we do so by reading part of the Bible together and uh, reflecting on that together because we believe that the Bible is God's Word to us, that when we read the Bible, we're hearing God's own words, so God speaks through the Bible. Now, I don't know if uh, how, how you went finding a Christmas tradition that you love. I was sitting over there with some of the kids, and, you know, I thought they might say the presents, but no, they, uh, there were some other things, uh, some conflicting things. Some loved being with family. When they talked about traditions you could do without, some said, not family. But anyway, um, sitting through the carols was something some could do without. All sorts of things that we came up with over there. Uh, Christmas trees. I'm loving Christmas lights at the moment, the solar ones. Um, so I've got a few of them out the front. I've spent hours obsessing over those, by the way. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you that story right now. There are lots of things about Christmas that I, that I do love. And uh, hopefully you can think of at least a few. I can remember from when I was a kid, we'd always watch the Christmas carols from Melbourne on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Day, we'd go to my grandmother's place over uh, at Brighton Sands, if you know that area. And uh, we'd spend the whole day there. We'd turn the carols on again and watch the replay of that and go to the reserve out the back and play cricket in the afternoon. Um, that was after a big lunch. My grandmother's mother was English, so it'd always have to be a hot lunch, you know, with the with the roast and the gravy and potatoes and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, you know, that sort of all brings back those really really nice memories. I also have a vivid memory uh, of one year. I mean, like we only had one TV, right? There weren't all the devices everybody could sort of go and watch their own thing on. So Dad would subject us to having to watch the Christmas carols from King's College, Cambridge. With all, so some of you must know that by the sniggers, but you know, the robes and the boys singing very high kind of pitch and the candles and all that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, the funny thing about that is that like for at least the last three or four years in a row now, that has been very high on my Spotify list at this time of year. Like, I'm just becoming my dad, but there you go. I used to hate it when I was a kid and that was definitely a tradition that I could do without. But look, a lot of these traditions do sort of link us to happy memories and the possibility that the most important things in our lives are family and giving and generosity, uh, getting on with each other, peace and harmony, goodwill to all people and all these sorts of things. Um, and I remember about this time last year, looking at the news, there was sort of, you know, they do those wrap-ups and all those sorts of things. There was talk of perhaps 2023 would be, you know, the best year to come. Everything was going to be great in 2023. Um, people were looking forward to a year where the COVID crisis was over, and sure enough, in May, uh, the World Health Organization did declare that the COVID crisis was over. But this year, I was reading The Good Weekend uh, on December 9th in the Sydney Morning Herald, and you can see holding on to hope is the headline or the, the cover of that edition of The Good Weekend. But as you read through the, the yearly wrap-up, the article on hope suggested that the more things change in our world, the more they just stay the same. History kind of repeats itself. As one conflict ends, another begins. Um, Russia, the war in Russia now in Ukraine stretches on for its second year. 
Uh, this year saw October 7th go down now is one of those dates you can just say and, you know, you kind of know what happened on that day, like 9-11. Um, debates about housing affordability and the high cost of living kind of hit us and that's probably impacting many of you here. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that was in that article, politics and culture, that describes sort of just how bleak 2023 is, so that it ended with this quote, the year 2023 offered a bleak lesson that hope and history barely rhyme. There's not much joy there. The question is then, are we doomed just to repeat history? Are we sort of caught in an endless cycle where we solve one problem just for another to begin? Well, this morning, we remember that Christmas is an end to that cycle that it's bigger and better than just traditions that kind of draw on our nostalgia and make us feel better for a little while. It's more than just time to forget our troubles, more than just a time to kind of reflect and then recommit to doing better this year, more than even good things like a celebration of family and generosity. Christmas is a time to remember that there's a better story, that the cycle has been broken that God is moving history forward to a better conclusion. A time where pain and suffering are gone forever. And that story has its break when God gives us hope through the birth of his son, Jesus. Never before or since has the birth of a baby uh, had such importance and meaning as Jesus' birth. As the second video showed us, billions of babies have been born, but none has changed the world quite like Jesus has. And so that's what we're going to think about this morning. Just how does the birth of this baby boy 2,000 years ago remain relevant to us today? How does the birth of Jesus give us hope in an otherwise bleak world? Well, in the reading Alex gave, we see just how much hope was fulfilled and was brought in through this, this baby boy, Jesus. And Matthew shows us that right from his birth, Jesus was destined to bring hope. Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecies of hundreds of years old given to people who were longing for a better world than the one they were experiencing. So most of you would be familiar with the story. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married. And we know from Luke's telling that during their engagement, Mary was staying with her relative Elizabeth, and that she was about four months pregnant when Joseph found out. And they're engaged, and when Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant, well, he wants to formally break off their engagement because unfaithfulness, according to God's law, was considered adultery. And he wanted to do that quietly so as not to embarrass her, but God intervenes, and God stops that from happening. God speaks. And in this instance, he speaks through a dream. And if there's a God who made the world, if there's a God who is all-powerful, then of course he can do things like this. And of course... He can do things like giving Mary a child without the need for a human father. And that's what happens. Joseph believes the angel. They go through with the wedding. And afterwards, the baby's born. And this morning, we can see that there are two names given to Jesus which reveal his mission and his identity, which give us hope for something better. Now, our kids are at the front here about three weeks ago, and one of those names might be one that you're familiar with. We all said it together. See if you can listen out to what that name is. But the first one is one, well, that we've already used today. Check out verse 21. This is where we see the first of these two names that Mary and Joseph are told to give their child. And it reveals the mission of this child. Mary and Joseph are commanded to give this baby the name Jesus. 
which is a translation of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means God saves us. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So in his humanity then, Jesus comes to earth where Adam had made a mess of being a human who lives under God's good rule. Jesus was to be like a second Adam, come to live rightly under God's rule, fully obedient to him. And that's what he does. And, God, and Jesus has this mission right from his birth. That's why the angel tells him to give the name Jesus to this baby. Jesus is, from his birth, he's on a rescue mission to take people out of the situation where there seems to be no hope and to give his people peace and security. So to quote the song we started with, O Holy Night, the world until that point had long lay in sin and error, pining. Because people, we, we know that the world is not how it's meant to be. So we, we pine, we, we kind of long, we desperately desire for there to be something better. We all know the world is not how it's meant to be. We look around, we see suffering, we see pain, we see people in conflict, we see people who only think of themselves, people who bring harm into their own lives, into the lives of others. And the Bible says that that is because ever since people were made, the first people, Adam and, in, uh, Adam and Eve, they decided to disobey God, to do things their own way, and the Bible calls that sin. The reason is but that by nature, we all want to live in this world as if we rule it and disregard God as our ruler. And when we all live like that, it just brings chaos into our world. We were created to love and obey God and to love other people. But by nature, we all live as, if, as Adam lived, rejecting God's loving and good rule over us and trying to rule the world ourselves. And from the time Adam disobeyed, all people have by nature lived kind of like in Adam's realm. The whole of creation suffered the consequences of what the Bible calls that sin. And, and in our first video, it used the phrase, from Adam's fall declining. And that's the story even we see in the Bible. The Bible shows that after Adam and, Adam and Eve's sin, the world spiraled more into sin and more into rebellion that ruined our relationship with God and ruined the way that we relate to one another. And God could have left us to just suffer the consequences of that to live out our lives in a broken relationship with him, in broken relationships with each other. But Christmas is that stark reminder that Jesus has come to do something about that, to fix that. It's a stark reminder that God loves us too much to leave us like that and to leave our world like that. He comes to save and to rescue now, maybe you're somebody who sometimes thinks if you were going to relate to God, if you were going to, uh, if you were going to be right with God, then you'd first have to kind of clean up your act a little bit. You know, if I've worked with somebody, you said to me, and you've probably all heard things like this, if I, you know, I was talking to him about church, I invited him to church one time, if I came in, the doors would just fall around me. You know, maybe, you know, you've got to clean yourself up first before you can come to God. If you try harder not to be selfish, try it harder to think of others, try it harder to do what God wants you to do, maybe he'd love you a little bit more. But then think about what it means for Jesus to be a saviour, not like a self-help guru, or not just a good teacher or a prophet or something like that. He's a saviour. He came to rescue. 
Now, some of you might have actually seen a rescue in real life. Um, I've probably only seen it on things like Bondi Rescue. (laughs) But what happens in those sorts of situations? When someone's caught out in a rip and they're drowning, sometimes even unconscious, it's no good the jet ski kind of coming up to them and sort of saying, try a little bit harder, swim harder, fix your stroke, right? No, they reach in and they pull them out, they rescue them. And that's how Jesus is with us. If you kind of are conscious that in some way you feel helpless before God, you feel like you've made a mess of life, there's a relationship where you've made mistakes, where you've hurt somebody else, where you've made bad choices in your life, then Christmas is a time to be reminded that there's no need to despair because God takes the action to come to you, to rescue you, to sort of pull you out of the situation that you're in. And all that you need to do is admit that you need rescuing, to accept that offer of rescue. Sin does have consequences, the ultimate consequence being that our relationship with God is broken. We see that at the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve are thrown out of the garden. God withdraws his presence in some way. Moses and the people of Israel, they're not allowed to see God, they're not allowed to be in his presence. There are temples and curtains and all sorts of barriers put up between God and people. And even when God gives his people laws, they can't obey them. And they only make a mess of the the kingdom that God gives his people to live in. Now for hundreds of years, God's people wait for a solution to this problem. And then Jesus is born. And so Jesus fulfills the hope of the psalmist, who in Psalm 130 cries out, and it would be worth going and reading the whole of this psalm. I thought for time I wouldn't quote the whole thing, but in verse 3 of Psalm 130, if you, Lord, kept a record of sin, who could stand? If that's how you feel, well, so does the, the writers of the Bible. None of us deserve to be in relationship with God. And the psalmist knew that, but he also knew that he himself, God, will redeem Israel from all their sins. And that's how Jesus invites us into relationship with God, where our sin no longer separates us from him and no longer ruins the relationships that we have with one another because Jesus died on a cross, accepting the consequence, the punishment for our sin upon himself so that we can be free, so that we can be saved from those consequences and that we can live with God forever and ever. There is hope because Jesus has been brought into this world to be our saviour. Now, Jesus can do all of this because of who he is. And this is where the second name in this passage comes in. In chapter 1, though, before that, Matthew takes us through Jesus, uh, through Jesus' heritage, what we call his genealogy, and the list of people who he's descended from. And he wants to show us that Jesus is descended from a whole bunch of really important people in Israel's history. But there's also another sermon in there for another time, that there's also some really unlikely people in Jesus' heritage, prostitutes, foreigners, bad kings of Israel. But this all just shows us the way that God works in unlikely situations to bring salvation to his people. And he does it by fulfilling promises that he's made over time. So we notice people like King David and Abraham in Jesus' family line, because that's who God had given promises to be with forever. But... As much as he's descended from all of these people, there's something unique about Jesus as well. You see, he's not biologically Joseph's son. 
the name that reveals Jesus' identity, you might have noticed from verse 23, is Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas reminds us that God has come to earth in Jesus. It reminds us that God is not distant, he's not remained aloof, just kind of some spirit in the clouds or something like that. He's come to experience this world as we experience this world for us. And it's important to note as well that this second name given given to Jesus shows that he's not some sort of innocent third party, sort of grabbed by God and thrown into a situation that he didn't want to be in. As Jesus grows up, he will demonstrate by how he teaches, by the authority he carries, by what he can do, the way he heals people, the way that he can reverse death even. He reveals that he is God in the flesh, that when he dies on the cross, he dies as God the Son, willingly, because he loves us and he wants us to be in relationship with him. In Jesus, humanity and divinity combine as, one's pers- as one person. So Matthew's comment here is not that people will call Jesus Emmanuel, but that he is the one who fully fulfills a prophecy from Isaiah about 700 years previously. Tony mentioned it before, that a baby would be God with us. And this is Jesus. Jesus' role, his identity, his mission is to bring God's presence to humankind so that we can know who God is. From his birth, we see that Jesus is God with us. And this is the story that God wants to draw you into. A story where you're saved from that realm of Adam, separated from God, living in the chaos of this world, to living in the realm of Jesus. In Jesus is a a phrase that the Bible uses quite often. That whatever Jesus has done, we have done as well because we're in relationship with him. Kind of like another part of the Bible talks about it, like being like a marriage. Like when you're married, you're so united that You know, your bank balance is the same. If I were to go bankrupt, that would have big effects on my family, that sort of thing. But the benefits as well are there. When Jesus comes to earth and lives a perfect life, because we can be in relationship with him, it's as though we live a perfect life. When he dies on the cross, it's as though we have died on the cross, because God has come to earth as Jesus. And he lives in this world for us. And that's the story God wants to draw you into. When you're drawn into that story, then you can live in the realm of Jesus. You can live as Jesus lived. We don't always do that well, and let's be honest. But by God's presence with us, we are able to. We can serve other people, not just living selfishly. You don't have to be that kind of person that just wants to get ahead and promote yourself above other people because God has put us here for a reason, to help and to serve others just as he served others. Jesus, of course, is the all-powerful Son of God who limited his, his power in some way, his glory in some way, so that he could serve us. And that's the story that we can be a part of. It's also a story that sees us knowing that if we were in Jerusalem, in Galilee, 2,000 years ago, we would have seen an ordinary-looking man. The ordinary man, God with us, who did extraordinary things, who taught extraordinary things so that we could know what God is like. Now, 2,000 years on, I reckon sometimes we've forgotten just how amazingly revolutionary this is. And I've been reading a book lately I gave to some of our school leavers, uh, The Air We Breathe by Glenn Scrivener. And he wants to just show how, um, how impacted our world has been by Jesus. One of our so-called greatest philosophers, Plato, 
said, Nature herself intimates that it is just for the better to have more than the worse, the more powerful than the weaker. Justice consists in the superior ruling over and having more than the inferior. See, he points out that before Jesus was born, before that very first Christmas, our world was incredibly cutthroat. The Roman Empire was all about the strong exploiting the weak. And that wasn't seen as something to be questioned. That wasn't bad. That was just the way it was, the way of nature. The way of nature is the survival of the fittest. But Jesus revolutionized our world because the strong came to serve the weak. As God in flesh, the all-powerful God came to serve us the weak. His love is expressed toward the weak in his power. And Jesus didn't become pathetic as a baby. He did set aside some of his glory willingly, but he, do that, he did that to serve the people he loves, and that's a sign of great strength, a strength of character and of resolve. See, if you've heard of the, the Andrew Tates of our world, there are some who will be tempted to use their strength, to use their power to dominate others, to get ahead in life, to wield power for themselves. And honestly, Christians have been the same at times, haven't we? We have to admit that. We haven't always lived in a way that Jesus would have wanted us to have lived. But our example and our strength is the God who came to serve, to be with us in the person of Jesus. Well, what brought you here this morning? Perhaps you came because it's tradition. Perhaps you came to be with family, and that's great. Perhaps for some of you, though, you are seeking that connection with God. And you're wondering, does he really want to connect with me? Well, Christmas reminds us that God always takes that first step. God does want to connect with each one of you, so much so that he came to earth in the form of a helpless baby to live and to serve for you. Matthew ends his gospel, this part of the Bible that we've read, by saying, even though we don't see Jesus now, that he's with us to the end of the age. He's with us until there's a renewal of our creation and all the pain and the suffering are gone. He's with us because he said he sent his spirit. Though we can't see him, he's present with us wherever we are, wherever we go, whatever we're facing. And in a world that just seems like history repeats itself again and again, Christmas shows us that God has broken this cycle. He broke into this world because he loves us. And if you've never looked at life according to Jesus, then it's great you're here with us. Why not make this the time where you think a little bit more deeply? Maybe you could download the Bible app and read the rest of Matthew for yourself and see what Jesus taught and what he did and uh, the kind of person that he is. Perhaps you could go to the website on the screen. You could take out your phone, type in 321course.com. It goes through uh, short videos explaining life according to Jesus. Why not see for yourself just why and how Jesus has changed the course of history and changed the lives of so many billions of people across the world? Christmas is that time where we remember that a baby who was born 2,000 years ago has changed the course of history. And could it be that he'll also change you?
Let's pray. Our God, thank you for all the great things that we enjoy at Christmas time. Thank you for time with friends and family for a break from work and study. Thank you for gifts and food and celebrations. Lord, we know that it could all just be a temporary relief from the, the struggles of this world if you had not done something about it. We thank you for sending Jesus to save, to rescue us from sin and its consequences. Thank you for drawing near to us and being with us even now by your Spirit. Please help everyone here to know that you are with them today so that they would have hope, so that they could live in relationship with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.